Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Barbara P and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, October 11th and today we're reading from the big book. We are on page 158, the second paragraph begins with on the third day, the lawyer and just one paragraph ending in he had begun to have a spiritual experience. So today's readers on the 12 steps will have Judith SP on the 12 traditions, Danny, and I'm sorry, Danny, you'll have to tell us your last name when you come up. Our readers of the text are Chris G and the closing is Vanessa G. And then our second hour, let's see, our second hour host is Ramona A, our newcomer greeter, Anne-Marie M. And our announcements is Kathy S. Lots of service this morning. Thank you, everybody. <clears throat> the reference number is for yesterday, October 10th. The 7 a.m. is 20,729-729. And then the 10 a.m. reference number is 20730, 20,730-730. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to try to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask, uh, let's see, uh, Judith SP to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Barbara, and thank you, everyone, for being here, and thank you, God. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, we admitted it. 11, 
sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me serve. I pass. Oh, thanks very much, Judith S.P. And Danny P., would you step up and read the 12 Traditions? Good morning. Can I be heard? You sure can. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you for your service. I'm Danny P., as in Peter. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Brazil. Here are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance or lend your OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Beautiful. Thank you very much, Danny P. So how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. Everyone is welcome. This meeting does not request 
or does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you've done, you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star one to remute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 158, the second paragraph, starting with on the third day, the lawyer, and ending with he had begun to have a spiritual experience. And I'm asking, I'll ask Chris G to start us off. That's Chris with a K. Thank you. Yes, Chris G in Tennessee. And thank you for, uh, for leading the meeting today. And thank you, everybody, for being here. So on the third day, the lawyer gave his life to the care and direction of his creator and said he was perfectly willing to do anything necessary. His wife came, scarcely daring to be hopeful, though she thought she saw something different about her husband already. He had begun to have a spiritual experience. Okay, so this is the third day, so obviously we have to say what happened on the first and second day. Well, on the first day, he uh, said, uh, that's nice for you guys, but God did never help me, and it, the God didn't work. And then he thought about it, and on the second day, said, well, maybe you're right. And so on the third day, he gave his life to the care and direction of his creator and said he was perfectly willing to do anything necessary. So it didn't say he, he was thinking about doing anything necessary. He was perfectly willing. So willingness has, has an automatic thing with, with action. And I think it's very significant that he wanted to share this with his wife, that he's not doing it alone. We talked a lot yesterday about thinking and alone, and um, he's not doing it alone. And it makes me think when I talk to my sponsees that I've had a couple that said they don't have any problem with believing in God. They've always believed in God their whole life, and it's not a problem for them. They're not prejudiced against the God word. But when I ask them about their food, I say, you know, I my attitude was that I would pull myself up by my bootstraps. I would take care of the the food. God, I had a sign in my kitchen said, "God, stay out of here," and uh, so that wasn't willingness. And so asking God into my kitchen, into my eating, into my problem, and not thinking that I can take care of it without any any higher powers help or without other people's input. Uh, doing it alone didn't work for me, and uh, and they and they say, oh yeah, I haven't been asking God to help me with my food. Uh, that's the answer I've gotten from people. So um, so w- willingness is more than thinking, and 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 we we can uh, we can learn from others, and I'm perfectly willing to learn from you all today. Thank you. I'll pass. Oh, great. Thank you, Chris G., for getting us started. So although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience, too. But I'll go ahead and take a list of names of those who'd like to share. Please give me your name and last initial. Now go ahead and press star one to share. Um, Yeah, to share, press star one to unmute. Okay, Joanne got you. Harland, who from the UK? Lai from the UK. 
Victoria Wonderful. That's a great group. Let's start right there. We've got six. So, Joanne, you'll be starting us off, followed by Harlan G. Joanne, go right ahead. Hi, I'm Joanne B. from Vermont. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater today. And I want to say thank you to this meeting. Today is my one-year anniversary of abstinence, my um, alcoholic food. And this reading really was very so succinct in its message about, um, you know, turning my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him. And throwing my hands up in the air and saying, I am completely out of ideas. I'm so tired of fighting this, fighting this, and then winning and then going back to the food, and then I was exhausted, and I was ready. Um, And I'm so grateful for all the people who've helped me here. Um, I've been listening to this meeting the entire year, and I'm going to continue to listen. And um, I'm going to now I'm sponsoring others. Um, It's really so gratifying and. you know, I have had a spiritual experience. I've had a psychic change, and I work at it every single day. It's not perfect, but um, I don't turn to the food anymore. Um, I don't. Um, that's not an option for me anymore. But I don't. I have another power in my life, and I'm so grateful. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Joanne B. from Vermont, and congratulations. Arlen G., you're up next, and you'll be followed by Claire. Thank you so much, and thanks for taking the meeting. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. Let's take a look at this paragraph and see the pacing of Bill Dotson's recovery, because a lot of times people ask the question, where does it say in the big book that you work the program fast? Because I'm a big advocate of that. On the third day, the lawyer was on step three, because the step where we give our life to the care and direction of God is step three. We make that decision in three. And the first couple of days, he worked steps one and two. On the first day that they visited him, they you know, kind of let him get sober, but they explained to him about the allergy. They explained to him about step one. Then on step on day two, they explained to him about the spiritual solution to his problem. And then on the third day, he's already on step three. So we can see he's working a step a day. A little later on, we're going to find out that this occurs in June of 1935. Well, what else occurred in June of 1935? Dr. Bob is going to get sober on June the 10th, really the 17th, but he's going to get sober on June the 10th, 1935. And that means that within 16 days, because this is June 26th, in 16 days of Bob getting sober, he is sponsoring Bill Dotson. How many people today can say they were sponsoring 
16 days after getting abstinent, very, very few. We have to work the steps quickly, and the pacing is beautifully described in here. And Henrietta Dotson comes to the hospital. Henrietta Dotson is different from Henrietta Cyberling, same first name, but different person. His wife came scarcely daring to be hopeful because she had been through the ringer of seeing him get drunk on the way home. And she sees something tangibly different about her husband. She sees that he is now on another plane of existence. She sees that now that Bill Dotson has had an explanation of the allergy, a, a work that remember we we don't work steps one two and, and we one and two they are conclusions of the mind and step three is a decision so there's no working of steps one and two and three they are conclusions of the mind and a decision but she sees that in the infancy of his recovery he is remarkably different and then tomorrow we're going to find out that he is going to stand up and he's going to put on his clothes, walk from the hospital, and he is never to drink again as long as he lived. He will pass in 1954. And in okay. 1954, he will pass from this earth not only a giant of service, not only a giant of recovery, but with 19 years of sobriety, never to drink again. So we see the pacing, we see how quickly he's working through the steps, and it is an example for me today because this is my textbook. And with that, I will pass. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Harlan G. Claire, you are up, followed by Vasa O. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, my name is Claire E. I'm a compulsive eater and bulimic in uh, Cornwall in the UK. And yeah, I was looking at this paragraph this morning, and, and um, the first thing that struck me is that, you know, it mentions his trade here. He's a lawyer, and he's being approached by a doctor and a stockbroker. And it, it struck me as, you know, they're very intelligent men, you know, they're professional people. And yet they were all three of them um, completely and absolutely out of ideals and, you know, sort of. Um, yeah, so, you know, and he was absolutely willing to do anything necessary. He really admitted defeat. Um, so despite brains, and it just tells me, you know, that my brains, it doesn't matter what brains I've got, I cannot outthink this thing. Um, and then the sort of the process of just making up his mind that he's going to do, you know, he, he decided he was going to just completely do anything, perfectly willing to do anything necessary. And I had that experience. So six years ago, and it's almost to the day for me as well, I, I, um, I, was, I was binging on the floor of my mum's holiday home. Um, that's where I used to go to binge and um, throwing up and everything else. And, and that was my sort of, I suppose, my, 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 just what sticks in my memory is my real step one experience. I sat there crying while I was eating. And I remember sort of saying out loud, I can't do this anymore, God, I can't do this. And I had a call a few days later and, you know, to quote the previous speaker, is this odd or is this God, from a woman who was clearly well. And this is pre-pandemic, pre-Zoom, anything else. Um, good sponsors in where I live in the UK did not grow on trees. And this woman was really well, but she was very black and white. She was very, um, you know, I could see there was not going to be any messing around, any playing around. And it was almost exactly as what's happened to Bob Dodson, you know, to Phil Dodson here. He, um, you know, she, she sort of, she told me all about her experience. I didn't like aspects of it. I was very sceptical about my ability to get well. 
it's all right for you, but what about me? But I could see and I could hear that she'd had a similar experience to me with her bulimia and she wasn't doing it anymore. She was about seven or eight years abstinent at that point. And I wanted what she had, but I didn't think I could do it. I didn't want to do it. It was aspects of her recovery I didn't like. The sort of putting down of alcoholic foods entirely was definitely something I wasn't keen on. Um, and she let me mull it over. She said, I will, you know, you can call me in a couple of days and want you to answer this question. Are you willing to go to any lengths? And over that couple of days, I did mull it over. And I, thank God, made the decision. I've been around fellowships for years prior to that. I made the decision that I would park everything I thought I knew. And I didn't know the set aside prayer at that point. But I just remember thinking I would park it and I would just do whatever I was told to do. And that was just on retrospect, the absolute best decision I have ever made in my life. And it was a sort of step three decision. I wouldn't have you know, called it that at the time. But thank God I had that gift of surrender and that gift of humility that she knew what she was talking about. And I didn't. And I would just do whatever, as I said, whatever was I was perfectly willing to do whatever was essential. And, um, you know, thank goodness that was where my spiritual um, awakening began. And it's been slow and I've had setbacks. <laughs> You know, but but that was where it all began for me. And it was just that gift of willingness. And I will leave it there. Thank you. Thanks so much, Clary. And then Valsa O, you are up. You'll be followed by Melissa C. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for your service. I'm Vasa, grateful recovered compulsive overeater calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And this rem- this paragraph rem- reminds me so much when I came to recovery. I I had a sponsor uh, for about a week. Well, she was my friend that introduced me to the program. So for about a week, we spoke every day. And uh, she told me a little bit about the programs and a little bit about the steps for seven, for seven days. And she, she shared about her experience, her story with me, which I knew we struggled with the food addiction together. But she found recovery. I hadn't gotten the recovery yet, and um, and then she brought me to my first meeting. So she told me about the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, the doctor's opinion, and I was shocked to find out that food was a drug. Number one, I thought everybody ate, and I should be able to control it by myself, by my willpower. And I tried for 25 years. It's not like I didn't try. Believe me, I did everything I could that I heard that other people did. But I could not keep it down. I could do it for a while, but I could not keep it down. And I was so excited to find out what the solution was to give up certain foods, the alcoholic foods. Oh, my God, I'm going to do this. I mean, I'm living for these foods. I'm going to give them up. And she said, we do this only one day. But anyways, I, had told, I hadn't told my husband about the program for about three weeks. And, and then I did say something to him about it. And he says, oh, this is just going to blow off like any of the diets you've done. It's just, it's just going to be a history one time of your life. But I knew the first meeting I went to, the, the first meeting I went to, I belonged there and it was for me. And I made the decision, and I was willing to surrender to a power greater than myself to help me. That's what she suggested to me, and that's what I did. I had the gift of desperation, but I didn't think it was a gift then. I thought this is torture. How am I going to give this food 
the certain foods that I'm doing. And she said, we do one meal at a time. And that's, I couldn't even, you know, I could only do it from one meal to the next, from the next meal to the next. And, and I did the same thing the next day. And yes, I was going through the withdrawals and I thought I was going to die. I wanted to throw myself on the floor. I cried like a little baby. But it is by the grace of God, I came October 25th, 1986. And this, you know, I've been abstinent since that night. Uh, I, I came home around 10 o'clock from a night meeting. And that was the Hi. beginning. Thank you very much for letting me share. That was the beginning, and I haven't left the program, and my life has gotten better in other areas. Thank you, and I pass. Thanks so much, Fasa O. And now, Melissa C., you are up, and you'll be followed by Victoria. Hey, good morning, Barbara. Really good to hear your voice. Thanks so much for your service. I'm Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive reader. I live in New York, and... Um, you know, I read this and I think, um, I remember like, you know, my early days of, of Overeaters Anonymous of, of, and I really, I thought I was going to give my, you know, my life to the care and direction of, of a sponsor, you know, of a food plan. That was my early experiences in recovery that, um, and that I think, you know, here when I read this paragraph, I think there's a distinct difference between compliance and surrender. You know, compliance is, is for me, my my experience was um, worshiping a god of abstinence and practicing a food plan in order to, you know, achieve some higher consciousness of abstinence. And, you know, while abstinence is nothing to, to be, you know, a, flaky about it's a, it's the real deal i mean it's it's certainly an important aspect of my life what i give my life over is to the care and direction of my creator not not a human and not a sponsor um but actually my creator and i had no ability to to even think about what that meant to me actually without following directions that were laid out to me by yes a sponsor on a program and a book because I did not know how to cultivate a a relationship where I had any clue of how to give my life and care over. I I wanted, you know, I I just wanted to lose weight and I wanted my life to improve and I thought that I needed to get stronger in order to make that happen and actually what I needed was I needed that sweet spot. And that's like one of the best things when we see happen for other people. I know it happened for me where I was completely willing, perfectly willing to do anything necessary. And, um, you know, yes, because I was out of ideas, because I was desperate. But, you know, willingness, I I believe, has two major components, and one of which is utter desperation, right? And the other one is is just a little bit of hope. And, And that's what these two men presented to him. They were, you know, and and holy smokes to think in how many days they were they were doing this in after after getting the message themselves. You know, I wasn't there, but um, I think you know there's a beautiful thing when we reach that sweet spot of utter desperation and we're presented with people in whom the problem had been solved. And I know for me, when I reached that point, 
I was done negotiating. I was perfectly willing to do anything necessary. And sometimes my willingness waves turning my will in my life over to the care of my creator. But, um, but I'm willing to improve along these spiritual lines. And I too have had a spiritual experience as a result. And Mm -hmm. that makes being abstinent. Thank you. I'll just close with that makes being abstinent. Thank you, God, easy. Um, And I can't believe that that's the truth for me, but it really is. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks very much, Melissa C. So we are reading uh, or referring to the paragraph on page 158. Just a reminder, second paragraph, say the lawyer. And Victoria, you are up next. And after Victoria, I'll be taking a list of names. So you'll we'll go go out from there. So think about whether you want to you want to share. Victoria, go right ahead. Good morning, everyone. My name is Victoria L. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. And I live in Muncie, Indiana. Um, You know, I walked into my first recovery meeting almost 21 years ago, which was AA, and I was struck sober and worked the program and have been able to stay sober ever since. I walked into my first food meeting in February of 2011, and I'm only on day two of abstinence. And, um, you know, I grew up in a Catholic faith. When I came into recovery, I always thought I believed in God, that I had a great relationship with God. And when I think about the concept of turning my will and my life over to the care of a creator, you know, I had no problem with that in AA. And I'm not sure why that is in that. um, It was almost easy for me in that program. But I have struggled so heavily in the food in OA. And I started coming to realize that maybe I'm agnostic because I believe in God, but maybe I just don't have the faith that God will actually come through for me in this program. And it's not like I haven't, um, you know, prayed to God or tried to turn my will and life over to God. It says, you know, at least two or three times in the big book, faith without works is dead. And it talks about action as the path to faith. And I mean, I have taken action after action after action. I've probably worked the steps four, maybe five times just this year alone. And I'm about to start working the steps over again with my sponsor. Um, But some ingredient is missing in my path to developing this connection with the higher power. And I think part of that has been in OA, my focus has been entirely on losing the weight, like entirely. And that's failed me miserably. It hasn't really been about developing a relationship with a higher power. I want the higher power to come in and serve me and answer my needs and help me get abstinent or strike me abstinent. But it hasn't really been about developing a relationship with a higher power um, that I need. And they talk about this being a disease of isolation. And when I'm eating, I get deeply isolated and I've abandoned my relationship even with my higher power and stopped asking for help. So, you know, I'm sure there's others out there on the line that can relate to that experience. And, you know, often I don't even want to come on the phone and share because I'm so ashamed of how often I've relapsed over and over and over again. Um, But, you know, the one thing that I have done right is I haven't left OA and I haven't left recovery and, I'm still willing to do what I need to do to get abstinence. 
I mean, at this point, my relapsing in OA is starting to negatively affect my AA program. And so I just, um, time. you know, we can always, thank you. We can always start over again. And I'll say if anyone wants to call and share their experience with how they came to rely on and have a deep faith in their higher power, my name is in the book, Victoria L. in Muncie. Thank you. Thanks so much, Victoria L. Thanks, everybody. Great shares this morning. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share it every third day in order that others might share their experience, too. But let's go ahead and take another list of names. Let me know if you'd like to share. Jim S. in Toledo. Jim S., gotcha. And star one, Patty. if anybody needs to unmute. Patty? Patty O. in Florida. Gotcha, Patty. Nancy R. Danielle Nancy. Danielle. Joanne B. in New York. Joanne B. Okay, let's start with that group, and then we should have room for a few more, maybe. Um, so we're going to start with Jim S. We've got Jim S., Patty O., Nancy R., Danielle, Joanne B. Jim S., you go right ahead. Yeah, my name is Jim S. I'm in Toledo, Ohio, and I am taking action. I um, I got plugged into the AA program in 2007. Page 94 of the big book, it says your candidate may give reasons why he need not follow all the program. Well, that was me, and I responded, and 10 days later, I drank. I had to start over. I started over. I went 11 years, 6 months, and 14 days, and I had a problem I didn't know the answer to, and so I drank. Today, as of yesterday, I have four years and five months without a drink. And that page on 94 talks about taking action. And I had overlooked that line uh, until I spoke with Harlan yesterday. And he told me that if I take action, the willingness will come all by itself. Um, on page 94, it says, he may rebel at the thought of a drastic house cleaning which requires discussion with other people. Do not contradict such views. Tell him you once felt as he does, but you doubt whether you would have made much progress had you not taken action. So here I am, all this time, in Alcoholics Anonymous, but it took Overeaters Anonymous for me to start taking action. And what a relief it is. Um, I have peace. I'm at ease. Um, I'm not searching anymore for answers. I'm just obeying my higher power. This morning, I poured part of my breakfast cereal in the garbage because I didn't need that extra bite. Um, so I'm just so grateful that I'm recovering, that I'm recovered, and um, 
it's just one day at a time from here on out. And I'm so glad it came on my um, 10th day of the month because that in May of 2019, May the 10th, is when I began my um, abstinence from alcohol. And now I'm abstinent from food. So if you're new, do what your sponsor tells you to do. And, you know, I had a guy that was sponsoring me, but he... Okay, I'll pass. Thank you. Uh, Thanks, Jim S. Patty O, you are up and followed by Nancy R. Hi, this is Patty O. I live in Florida, and I am a compulsive overeater. And I guess what I want to tell all of you is 30 days ago, I came into the program um, again. I've been searching for an answer since 1972. And I came in 30 days ago absolutely knowing I would, this would not work for me. And I don't know what happened, why this time feels so different than every other time before it. Um, I have said so many times, I'm willing to do anything you tell me. But in the back of my head was, I don't really need that part. And this time, I did the best I could with the steps as directed by my sponsor and the podcast that I listened to. And I feel changed. I'm still obese, but inside me, I feel free and excited that I have hope. I had none when I got here 30 days ago. And um, just, and now is another thing that my sponsor is suggesting, and I've heard on all the podcasts, that I have to go at the Eddie Clark meeting and um, offer my services as a sponsor. I know I can't do it. (laughs) I know it. But all I have to do is share my experience and the way that last 30 days that this has worked for me. And, um, you know, um, mostly I have to do it so that I can stay abstinent. And that I do know. I'm afraid that this is a uh, pink cloud, and I talked about it yesterday, and I was told, enjoy it while it lasts. And I know when life happens to me out there that, Food is not my answer, that the steps of recovery and you people, this fellowship, the big book, those are my answers. I just have to remember to use them. So I hope, thank you all so much for the help you've given me over the last 30 days. Bye. Adio, thanks. Uh, uh, Nancy R., you are up, followed by Danielle, I think Danielle B., but correct me if I'm wrong when you come up. Nancy R., you're up. Good morning. Nancy R. from Northwest Illinois. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, thankful, grateful, um, in awe of being able to say that today. Um, So this um, 
passage brought up for me how um, I, in my naive, 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 in my naiveness, um, early on in program years ago, thought, oh my gosh, I took the third step. That's great. Now my, I've I, I turned my will and my life over to my higher power. And so like, check that one off. I'm done. Life's going to be different from now on. And um, I soon learned that it's not a one and done um, declaration or surrender. Um, it's over and over and over again. You know, I wake up in the morning. I woke up this morning, and I gave my will and my gave my will and my life over to the power greater than myself today. And um, I don't know how many times consciously I've taken it back, but probably subconsciously I've taken it back hundreds of times already, and it's very early in the day. So um, I'm grateful for the willingness to just keep coming back. Just keep coming back to that third step. Just keep coming back and saying, God, what's next? Okay, I'm going to be good on the vision for you, Megan. Okay, God, what's next? And I like to distract myself with things I want to do while I'm listening to the meeting. And I need to come back and say, God, what's next? My God, what's next is my short version of the third step prayer. Um, it's my way of being willing, stopping, pausing, and saying, I turn my will and my life over to you, God. What, what is that? What is it that you have for me? In this moment, next, uh, in my life um, today, and the more I can keep coming back to that what's next throughout the day, the greater my life is, the bigger my life is. Um, the more space uh, I can hold for others. And um, it just I'm full, full of joy in these moments. And it doesn't mean that um, I'm joyful all the time, but I'm full of joy in these moments of surrender. So um, that's what I have to share today. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Nancy R. Right on time. Danielle, you are up next, followed by Joanne B. Good morning, everyone. This is Danielle O. from New York. I hope you can hear me okay. I, yep, uh, we sure can. Ab- loud and clear. My, my abstinence date is September 4th, uh, just last month. And I am not new to recovery. I'm not new to OA. This time I feel like I'm I'm new to a new layer of surrender. Uh, You know, I've always known in my heart that, you know, this this type of sobriety or this type of recovery was going to be uh, really the answer. I I just kind of balked at everything that came my way for a while. But uh, with a much clearer mindset right now, I, I have been so much more grateful for the way the path has been shown to me. When I when I did get a sponsor, she said, okay, we're going to work these pretty fast and we're going to go through them, let's say, three to four weeks. And I thought, wow, okay, let's go then. And it was a commitment. And that was something that was going to be important for me because I can simply, simply detach from almost anything to have what I want. 
not necessarily what I need, but you know, that's how addiction went for me. So when I, when I grab hold of that whole concept and idea of doing this quickly, I found myself um, really wanting to do more. And what was amazing was not that the steps were overwhelming, but that the miracles kept happening over and over, you know, and I was, I was very excited about that. And it keeps revealing more and more to me. And so, you know, in a few, in a few days, I'll be ready to sponsor. And I, I truly do feel ready because I'm, I'm not alone. Not only does, do I have a loving God in my life, but I have a lot of supportive people around me. And these, these steps work very specifically for the kind of addiction I have and the way that I think. I don't have to doubt it anymore. You know, I've been walking on the backs of giants for a long time, but I took it for granted. And so now I'm shown more and more people and more and more ways to do this. And, you know, my eyes are opening up. My, my heart is certainly swelling on a regular basis. And it's like, it's just, just so beautiful. These miracles are just so beautiful. You know, they're all from God. And I have to remember that I am not alone. And these steps are meant to be done in an order and quickly. And I, that is what is happening. So uh, thank you, everybody, for being there and support. I don't come up on, on to share very often, but today I heard so many good things and uh, direction that I will continue to follow. Thank you, everyone. Have a good day. Thank you, Daniela O. from New York. And Joanne B., you're up next, and then we will be taking another list of names, just a couple more people. But we are on page 158. On the third day, the lawyer gave his life. That's the second paragraph. So, Joanne, step right up. Hi, good morning, everybody. This is Joanne B. I'm a compulsive overeater in New York. Um, and thank you so much for all the wonderful shares. Um, I was writing in my journal this morning, and I just wanted to kind of share on um, what happened to me as far as making a decision. Um, I also am long. Joanne, we just lost you. Joanne B, try star one again. Can I be heard? Now you can. Now we hear you again. Okay. There was this long menu of things that came up. Um, But um, in August of 2021, um, after 33 years sober in AA, I... um, I was desperate. I was eating nonstop, um, and um, I was withdrawing from my my life. I was withdrawing from my family, from my children. All I wanted to do was just lie in bed, and um, I, I just couldn't. I couldn't function anymore. And my the voice of my daughter, my my twenty year old daughter, said to me, um, "Mom, why don't you try Overeaters Anonymous?" And I googled it. I found some YouTube recordings. Um, I heard somebody mention in one of those recordings, uh, I came on this meeting, found a sponsor, um, and I've jumped right in. And um, it has been a blessing. The thing is, is that I prayed about that. And I know that God answers prayers when we ask our higher powers, whatever they may be, answer prayers. And um, I came to this meeting. um, and 
I took action, uh, like somebody else shared. I took action, and I take action every day. Um, every morning I wake up and I give myself to God, um, and I just ask him to direct my thinking and guide me through the day, and I check in constantly throughout the day. Um, what I like about this paragraph, it says that um, he he stood up, put on his clothes, and he walked out of the hospital, and he was ready. He was, like, ready to take that action. And it just shows he was like on a mission and he was going to do what it takes. And I think that's what's different for me. Um, I related to that kind of complacency in AA. It is completely different for me in this program. Food is so much harder um, and it requires a lot more work, a lot more action, which I take every day. I build my life around my recovery. I don't add recovery to my life. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Perfect timing. Thanks, Joanne B. So we have room for two and possibly one short share, but um, who else would like to share? Star one, if you'd like to, to share. Dawn. Roz. Okay, I heard Dawn. Dawn. And who was that? Dawn. Roz G. Okay, I'm hearing you, Roz. I think there's someone before you. Who was that? Joanne. Is it Joanne? Yeah. Okay, it is Joanne. Okay, just didn't know if I had another. Okay, good. And if we do them a little bit short, we should fit everybody. But, Roz, we'll try and get you. Okay? So, Dawn, go right ahead. I'm Dawn <clears throat> King. I'm um, newly recovered. And I'm so grateful for the shares this morning because... I had my first sponsee um, who was struggling with her commitment to the steps and the approach that I had taken. I believe I was guided by by God and I prayed about it. And But listening to the shares, I'm also seeing that I have to take these steps every day in every situation. And I'm realizing that even in that situation, I was willful and I needed to, even in that moment, give my full will um, to God. I thought I had, but I can see that I need to take the steps again in this situation um, and really acknowledge my own shortcomings and and come to really see, um, you know, doing a full step 10 um, you know, where my fears came up and how that may have interfered with my decision-making and and really rework those steps in this specific case. So it's not only with the food, but in every day of my life, I have to walk the steps in order to keep my, my abstinence because this angst that I'm feeling about this decision is an indication of a disturbance that I need to address. Um, and if I don't address it, then that's when I become vulnerable to this disease and fall back into the food, and I don't want to do that. Um, so I'm just grateful for everyone what you've said because it's really kind of allowed me to awaken to the truth of where, where I am with this situation. So thank you for letting me share. Beautiful. Thanks, Don Kay. So Joanne P., step right up. Good morning, everyone. This is Joanne P. from Pennsylvania. Oh, my goodness. The grateful, compulsive overeater in recovery. This um, paragraph 
really speaks to me because when I think about um, the first time that I took my third step, I really felt so connected to um, just was so overwhelmed with gratitude for our program and the 12 steps and recovery. But it wasn't until I um, relapsed several times and did the steps. I was doing the steps actually the fourth, for the fourth time with a new sponsor that I realized in doing step 12, I, I need to practice these principles in all my daily affairs. And by practicing these principles in all my daily affairs, I feel like I have grown so close and have such an intimate connection with my higher power, God, that um, it just keeps me on the road to recovery. There's no cure for this addiction. You know, there's a treatment, and the treatment is our 12 steps, right, and our program. And... um, I feel like I'm on this journey and of honesty and humility and growth never ends. I feel like I'm growing every day. I learn more about myself. The more honest I am, the more I see my strengths and my weaknesses. And yeah, the more humble I am, the more I understand and embrace and celebrate our powerlessness. For our, our compulsive thinking, for this obsessive mind that gets us into all kind of trouble. So, um, I'm here today to say that I am powerless, but I'm not helpless. I'm choosing recovery. I'm choosing to follow the 12 steps. I'm choosing not to take the first bite. And... Um, I feel like I just never stopped growing in recovery, and I'm so thankful for, I feel like I'm on an adventure. I don't know. It's just exhilarating to me, and it's not easy to practice these principles in all our daily affairs, and that's when I go to God and just surrender, surrender my life and and uh, my will and to his, his uh, will for our lives, and so... Yeah, it's only entrusting our higher power that um, I can live and grow in the truth and just, I don't know. Just so thanks for being Thank you so much for listening and thanks for letting me share. Thank you for all your shares. Thanks. Thanks, Joanne P. And Roz, so sorry, I think we only have about 30 seconds, so hang tight. Um, Perhaps you can share at the second half of the meeting. So uh, thank you to everyone who shared, and please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. Today's share ID for the meeting that just took place, powerhouse of a meeting, is 20732. So that's Wednesday, October 11th, 7 a.m. meeting. 20732. We'll now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. We'll, let's see, my readers will, closing, um, Vanessa G, step up and read for us. Okay, thank you. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for an awesome meeting.
Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.